Hi and welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 7, Visual Studio Team System 2008, Test Edition. Hi, this is Martin, uh, and I've got on the line as usual, Paul Hacker from TFSTimes.com. Hey, Paul. Hey, Martin. How are you today, sir? Very good, thank you. And Mickey Gousset from uh, TeamSystemRocks.com. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Martin. So what have you been up to then? Well, me, I am recovering from tech ed developer. I was I was helped out there in the learning center, and I was a speaker for the first time. Actually did really well on my evaluations, had a great time talking, had great questions afterwards, didn't flub anything too bad. The only stressed part was having a couple of people that were actually on the web testing and load testing team from Microsoft sitting in the back of my session. So I was trying to make sure I didn't say anything I wasn't supposed to or, or tell the attendees anything that was completely wrong. But they told me afterwards they thought I did all right. So I had a great time at Tech Ed Developers, got to meet a lot of great people. So now I'm just trying to get myself back on track. Cool. It must be very weird, you know, because I, I write software for a living. It'd be very strange to be sat there watching somebody else talk about software you've written. <laughs> yeah, I would find it hard to say, well, hey, no, it really meant to do this. <laughs> or what, what we that. meant by that menu was actually this. You've completely understood it wrong. Yeah. yeah really. <laughs> How about you, Paul? What have you been up to? Uh, not much, actually. I'm, I'm just getting back on my feet again. Um, as a lot of people know, I had um, a major surgery on May 2nd, and so I'm back on my feet. I've um, In the last week and a half, I've been able to actually get out of the house and actually go on site. So I'm slowly moving forward, but um, we're just working with the user group, and you know that's really about it right now, just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Cool. Well, I've been um, – what have I been up to? I just – I did um... – did you guys see the poster did about Brian the Build Bunny? Did you catch that one? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That was quite popular. So uh, it's had um, over 2,500 views on YouTube now. It's the most viewed team system video on YouTube. Not that there's that many. <laughs> it's not That's awesome, huge... though. Yeah, yeah, I was quite pleased about that. So if people want to check that out, just uh, search for Brian the Build Bunny and you'll find it on Google but or Live Search. But it's um, a little video I did where I hooked up... Um, uh, a robot rabbit hooked it up to the Team Foundation server eventing mechanism. And basically, the rabbit has a little uh, text-to-speech API. Um, so you can send t- a text message, you know, a string, and it'll speak it, and you can control the position of its ears. So uh, when the when the build runs and um, or when these check-ins occur, you know, I... I listen to those events coming out of TFS and I build up a little string and I send that off to my uh, Brian the build bunny and he and he and he speaks so uh, and if a, if a build passes then his ears stick up and if a build fails his ears are flat down and if it's um, if a build you know if it's partially successful so the, uh, the it compiled fine but the unit test failed then one of its ears is up in the air and the other one's at like 90 degrees doing sort of semaphore <laughs> Quite cool. So he's just—I I better switch him off. Actually, he's just sat. <laughs> he's just sat here on my desk. I better switch him off in case somebody checks in any code while while we're talking. The question I have, Martin, is where did you find a bunny with an open API? <laughs> I saw it like it's Nabaz Tag. If you go to nabaztag.com, n-a-b-a-z-t-a-g.com, it's um. Yeah, they do these robot rabbits, and um, it was a. I, I'd originally planned on using the rabbit in uh, my team build talk uh, for TechEd Amia last year, 
And so I'd bought it like a year ago, you know, sort of June 2007, um, planning on using it for that that session. But then I, um, the at the time, it was quite slow. So you would send a message to the, you know, to, to this web service in the cloud. And um, it could take like five minutes for that message to appear on the, you know, on the rabbit, which obviously be no good. <laughs> You're in a, it's dodgy enough relying on internet access in a, in a, you know, in a, in a, public session but then um you know having to wait five minutes on stage uh for it to say something i thought that's not going to work so i didn't use it in the end and then recently they've changed the rabbit to use um it now uses jabber uh you know the um im protocol to an open right. im protocol to talk back to the server and so basically it, it gets its messages instantly now so it's, it's fantastic it's really good it's uh yeah very, it's quite cool. usable yeah, so uh, you know, got to have some hobbies, haven't you? <laughs> also, uh, Mike Azakar is uh, running a competition for the coolest team system gadget. Basically, the coolest thing to integrate with team system and team foundation server. Um, you've got to be, a, you've got to make the source available um, uh, and do a quick uh, screencast as to why it's cool. So, for instance, if if I wasn't, um, I'm actually a judge. Me and um, Ed are. Uh, 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 fellow judges for this competition so if but if you um if i hadn't done you know if i if i wasn't a judge i could submit brian the build button because the code's out there and uh you know it's a rabbit and i've got a video that goes along with it so that's it that's the idea if you've got a little utility you've written that talks to team foundation server and the code's out there then submit it to uh mike azakar which you can find his blog at michaelazakar.com you can also find links to it off of team system rocks I want to jump in here real quick and let people know that you can email us at radiotfs at gmail.com. And you can also hit our website at radiotfs.com. Well, that's probably a good time. Let's uh, let's jump into the topic for today. So uh, the topic is Visual Studio Team System 2008 for Test Edition. Now, I have to admit, I'm a Team Foundation server guy, so I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty clueless as to what's in the Test Edition. So who wants to jump in first? What does a Test Edition contain and what's it good for? Well, um, it's it's interesting that we bring up this topic for this radio show this month because uh, the TFS Times for this month was all about Team Edition for testers um, or Test Edition. Uh, and what it contains is um, the basic functionality to create um, your web tests. So you can do your HTTP web testing. You can do web service testing if you chose to, although it's not the prescribed way. And um, you have the ability to do uh, load testing. So those things are built right into the tool right there. One easy way to think of it is basically the test edition is geared toward people that are doing testing. It has like the unit testing and the code coverage that the developer edition has, but it also has extra stuff in there for people that whose focus is testing. Like Paul said, the web testing, the load testing, there's manual testing, there's generic testing, so you can wrap third-party tests in a generic wrapper so you can take the results and integrate those back into the unit testing framework. There's better test case management tools. It's just, it's, it's really geared toward people that are doing testing. And a lot of times the testing edition is the one that we, we tell people they should get over the developer edition once we start talking to them and listening to what need, their needs are. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree there too with Mickey. Um, I get a lot of questions as to what edition should I buy? And my preference personally is to have the team, uh, team edition, uh, team test edition. Just because uh, I get so much more. And in my day-to-day activities, if I can do web testing or load testing, um, depending on what I'm doing, or even manual testing, but if I can do those things 
prior to me sending this off to QA, I, I know that I've just really increased the quality of my application, you know, that much more exponentially because I, I've already gone through a lot of the, the, the procedures that they may be going through. One of the other things with the test edition and that Mickey brought up is that test case management piece. It's important for people to understand that if you want to create lists of tests and categorize your tests and manage your tests and create your tests and, and do all these things with your tests, you need to have the test edition to do these things. Um, I was recently, I'm talking to a client who actually bought 13 editions of developer and then realized afterwards um, that they couldn't create tests because they didn't buy a tester edition. And apparently the people they consulted with to buy it never even told them or never actually, I guess, talked to them enough to find out that they needed that edition. So they were, they were kind of, uh, left hanging there. And that was, that was sad, but that happens, you know, but so you really need that if you want to do those, you know, get into creating the tests and managing the tests and doing anything with the tests. So, so let me get this straight. You can create, um, unit tests in, in 2008, you can create unit tests in, uh, Visual Studio professional can't you you know it came it's not, yeah but you can't it's the test lists that you can't create um if you've got a normal if you've got a normal version of tfs or if you've got the development edition of team system is that right that's correct, correct. With the develop with the developer edition you can't create lists of tests which is the way you can organize your tests and that's how you, also how you can create your list of tests that you run during the build process though there are a couple of ways around that if you do have the developer edition and not the tester edition but the test lists are great because you could say, okay, I want to run all my manual tests at once. So you create a test list that contains all your manual tests, kick it off, and bam, then you can run through all your manual tests. Just talk about the integration with the build stuff. I know that, um, I know, for instance, with the, in 2008, they introduced something so you could say, run all the unit tests in these assemblies. So, you know, to get around this problem a little bit of test lists. Um, but, can you run other types of tests as part of an automated build as well? Can you run the you know the web tests, the load tests, those sorts of things? As part of an automated build, sure you can, Martin. You can. Um, what people have to understand is um, you can run any any of your tests as part of an automated build. It's which ones do you want to run as part of your automated build? What happens with manual tests on an automated? Ah, build? that's the thing. Again, it depends <laughs> on what type of builds and real. You don't want to be running manual builds as part of your automated build process unless you're going to be babysitting the build. Um, you know, it really doesn't make sense. And again, um, it's one of those things that's why I prefer the developers have the tester edition is because they can run through that suite of manual tests. I don't have to integrate them with the build. Um, when it comes to the test, I can test them prior to a build and, um, because yeah, <laughs> you have to babysit the build. Okay. And I know that there's some confusion around, I know there's always lots of confusion around licensing when it comes to team system, but there's particular confusion when it comes to the load testing bit. What what's the deal there with load testing and licensing and that sort of thing? Oh, you really want us to get into a licensing talk on the podcast, Martin? <laughs> uh, I just bro- well, broadly. I mean, broadly, basically, if you buy a test a version of the testing edition, then you get load testing that you can run directly off your machine, which is which is nice because you can do some basic load testing off of your machine, limited a lot by basically how powerful your machine is. After that, you can you can then get into what's called using the load test agents and whatnot and i'll kick the football over to paul to talk about that well a load test agent is it's really cool it's easy to set up i've actually set it up for clients basically a load test can handle about two thousand virtual users okay and when you start to get into the automated build environment and things like that where you need to have this load test agent um what you have to be careful of is the cost here 
The cost is per processor, at least it was in 2005. I haven't checked it on 2008, but I believe it's still the same cost mechanism. And it's actually a, a quite expensive product. So um, it's not something that everybody just runs out and buys. Like I said, I've had one or two clients in, in over the years that have actually implemented the, the test agent, and, um, and the low test agent. Uh, what's nice is, though, is I believe as part of the MSDN Premium Team Suite MSDN subscription, you can actually download that. Am I wrong? Can you get it for free, 90-day trial, just downloading publicly? Yes, the, 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 there is a 90-day trial available. Okay. That wasn't available before in the 2005. So the, what's nice is at least you get to download it and try it out to, to see if it's going to fit your needs. Um, again, the pricing on that I'm, I'm not positive on, but I know in 2005 it was a per processor and it was quite expensive. But it was very easy to set up. I mean, I set it up in about two hours for, for a client. They had it tested end-to-end, and it was working just great. So, so let's go through some of these different types of tests we've mentioned and explain what they are, shall we, a bit? So uh, right. the first the first one you mentioned – well, the first one we kind of know about is unit testing. Unit testing? Who does that? <laughs> Nobody does unit testing, do they? <laughs> unit testing. What unit testing is, is it just is a way to test blocks of your code. And what that means is you create um, your application and your skeleton application, and you create your, your, your methods and your functions and your properties and all these things. And then before you actually write a line of code, you go and create unit tests, and you make sure your unit. You run your unit tests; they're gonna you're gonna fail um, because, of course, there's nothing there to, to help them pass. And then you go back and you write the code to pass the unit test. And again, that's an ideal world, but that's really what unit testing is meant for. How we tend to do it is we tend to write unit tests to um, to pass our code rather than passing writing code to pass our unit tests. Um, you also have the ability to do what they call code coverage, which kind of it lays out how much of your code is actually being tested. So in Visual Studio Team System, when you run your unit test and you look at your code coverage, and again, you have to turn your code coverage on. It's not on by default. You turn it on and you um, can see what percentage and how many blocks of code were covered, how many weren't covered, what percentage of your application was covered, what percentage wasn't, things like that. And so you can try to go towards that golden sweet spot of, say, 90% or 95% or whatever your percentage is that's your sweet spot of unit testing. So really, that's, that's what the unit testing is for and how it works within Visual Studio Team System. There's a, there's a huge problem. Uh, people in the, in the test-driven development um, community and in the alt.net community as well um, seem to have this... They seem to have a problem with Microsoft um, inventing their own unit testing framework rather than using one of the many existing unit testing frameworks out there. Uh, but there's reasons why they did that, which we all, you know, which we know about to some extent. The unit testing stuff is very similar to, say, NUnit. Um, apart from it, it does have features in there for lo- preloading of data. And um, one of the things I quite like is uh, assert inconclusive. So rather than just assert fail, you know, assert fail and assert and assert true for saying, you know, something's not true, something is true. You've also got the um, raise a question mark to say, by the way, this isn't I'm not sure if this is a pass or fail or not, uh, which is normally you haven't. So you haven't implemented this test yet. You can put an assert inconclusive and you can you can quickly see um, if it's something you haven't done yet or if a test has actually failed. 
So it, it's funny you bring that up, Martin, because that's exactly what you do when you create the um, unit tests. It's every one of your unit tests has the assert dot inconclusive line in it. Yeah, to begin. So right you don't even have to put them in there. Yeah, exactly. And it's also like you mentioned, Paul. It's got hooks into the code coverage and um, and those sorts of things. As well as the fact that the unit testing framework integrates into uh, reporting, so um, test results can be published from uh, a team system version, you know, developer version, or the or the tester version of of Team Suite. Uh, they can be published from there onto Team Foundation server, and then that data can be shared with other people on the team. That data also gets reported into the data warehouse, so you can see. Um, you know, which unit tests have pass-failed, what your test coverage is like, that sort of thing. So there were reasons for them doing that. I just know some people aren't particularly happy about that. One of the things I was going to mention when it uh, when it came to the unit testing side is the fact that unit testing um, comes with Visual Studio Professional now and came with Team System, you know, and, and is more integrated in a team environment in, in the Visual Studio Team System editions. To me, even though I come from a, like a hardcore, you know, test-driven background where I would ideally like to write, you know, think about my test first, write my test first, write my code um, to meet that test and the simplest possible code to meet that test and then iterate back again and think, right, now I've got a happy path working. Let's think about what some of the exclusion cases are. That's how I like to code. Um, however, you can't start writing unit tests that way nobody does everybody starts writing unit tests by using the unit testing framework as a little test harness does my method work on its own and typically you would write you would always write a unit test for say a bit of string manipulation you know where you're doing where you're looking for index and you can never remember if you need to do plus one or minus one when you're doing index of and those sorts of things are you doing a recursive method call or something this is definitely going to uh, gonna go into an infinite loop i better i better write a quick test harness around this Rather than writing that as a little stub of code, which you then throw away, write it as a unit test and then run that unit test every single time. And you eventually start to build up, you know, tests of bits of areas of your code that, you know, you know, can have problems and can be hard to maintain. And then from there, once you've got confidence and once the whole team's got confidence in the semantics of writing tests and writing classes in a way that can be tested, you know, not writing detestable code, but writing testable code. You can yeah. then um, you can then move towards uh, you know like a full test driven development approach if you want to. But I really like the fact that testing is now in now in the Visual Studio that most people in companies uh, will have in front of them without having to download and unit, and it's all there inside the IDE because I really think that's going to help people do programmatic unit testing and improve code quality overall. You made a good point um, that we should that should have been mentioned that starting with 2008, that unit testing is included all the way down in the professional edition now. That was one thing that a lot of people griped about in 2005, that everyone should be doing unit testing, and, and Microsoft basically listened. And so they pushed the unit testing all the way down to the professional edition. So if you're using VS 2008 professional or higher, then you have unit testing. Fantastic. And it's funny you mentioned that, Mickey, because I was doing a launch event talk in Indianapolis, and there was about 125 people at this event. And they were, while they were doing um, 
the launch event, in between they were talking about what do you think, you know, people could come up for five minutes, tell us your best or your most interesting uh, new feature in 2008. And, of course, mine was unit testing. Uh, you know what? You can have WCF and w, you know, WPF and all this other WF stuff. But without, um, without unit testing, I mean, that's all great stuff. But unit testing really helps you. So I polled the audience, and it was funny. I had, an, I had a response of about 8 to 10 people said that they would actually consider using the unit testing that's available in the professional edition. So out of 125 people, I didn't even get 10% of the people in that room to raise their hand and say, I would be, I would be, even consider using the unit testing that's available. And, and, and that, that really set me back because I thought people were, would be just as excited as I was or anybody else would be about, you know, unit testing. Yeah. It, a lot of people are scared off by unit testing in terms of, um, you know, the effort required to do really good testing. But I'd say, you know, yes, there is a bit of effort there. Um, and there are plenty of studies that prove that that effort, pe- you know, pays back in, you know, many, many times. And I can tell you many cases where it has, but I'll not evangelize that. Just start. Just do a bit of testing, you know. Don't worry that you're not getting 100% test coverage or even 10% test coverage. Just start doing a bit of testing and see how that goes. And you'll eventually build up the confidence, in, you know, to test bits individually first the argument i always had when i when i was managing teams of developers was you know if you if you're submitting me code um that you say works how do you know it works you must have you must have tested it somehow so please when you're when you're testing it please write that test in a unit test format and then because that then gives us free regression testing forever uh, as well as a lot of other benefits so anyway I think that's probably enough about unit testing. Uh, let's talk about, um, yeah, as you can let's tell. Let's talk about web testing. Yeah, let's talk about web testing. Because, you know, that's kind of what I spoke about. You did a session tech about ed, on TechEd, so. did you not? I did do a session on web testing at TechEd. Um, but web testing is basically testing your web applications. Now, web testing in Visual Studio Team System doesn't work necessarily completely the way you think it does. The way you create a web test is you, you say, I want to create a new web test. And it opens up a web browser and will actually record what you do in the web browser. So it record the, re- the different requests that, that you make as you're clicking on things. You can add comments to your tests as you're, as you're recording the test, which I highly recommend you do. Because otherwise, if you record a really long test, you may, six months from now, when you have to go back in and make changes to it, it's a lot easier to be able to look at the comments to understand what you were trying to do. What's going to, what you're going to find interesting about web testing is when you go to play the web test back. Because it doesn't actually run it in the web browser. It doesn't open up the web browser and then run through the test. What it does is it just takes the request and directly sends them against the web server you're testing against and then gets the responses back. And the reason it does that is to make web testing easier to use in a load testing environment. So one caveat for those people with quick ears is that any client-side JavaScript that you have is not going to be executed because it's not actually opening up a web browser and and running that client-side JavaScript. Now, when you recorded the web test, it recorded the results of that client-side JavaScript, but it doesn't actually run it for you every time you run the web test. But And one other thing you should know is that in 2005, 2005 web testing had some issues with being able to test AJAX applications very well. In 2008, that's been completely fixed. 2008 web testing test is a, tests AJAX just as well as anything else. Does it handle like 
cookies and authentication fine though mickey so uh you know obviously yeah does it handle cookies and authentication yeah yes and in fact i mean it handles all different types of authentication you can actually set up the test to run under certain authentications so it'll do all of that for you it's really kind of cool now um well it just some uh, any form of automated ui testing you know web testing or or even automated uh you know win 32 smart forms testing um anything like that they can only give you like you said mickey a, a guarantee of functionality uh, did it did stuff do it as i expected but what they can't tell you is does it look nice you know so there's always some need for for human testing there for manual testing yeah. Yes, um, I, yes, I agree. There will always be somebody for manual testing to, to ensure, you know, is the layout like it's supposed to be. But you can use, in some respects, you can use web testing a little bit to at least confirm that there are certain elements on the screen or there are certain tags that were supposed to be in the code, that kind of thing. Well, and also the more time, you know, you build automated tests, the less time you spend regression testing and the more time you can spend just saying, you know, concentrating on does it look nice? Does If I do strange things, does it behave okay? You know what I mean? You can spend exactly. more time on manual tests. Um, so can you talk on the web testing stuff? You can do some fancy things. Um, where you can, you know, do some data binding things as well, can't you? And actually bind well, it against databases and things like that to, to test lots of different scenarios. Well, yeah, just with just like you can with unit testing, you can do data-driven web testing. So, for example, if you've created a web test that tests the login to your application, rather than creating 20 different web tests, each with it that tests a different login, you can actually just create one web test and then drive that test with data. Now, you could do this in 2005, but you had to either use a database or an ODBC connection to an Excel spreadsheet. In 2008, you have the ability to use those same mechanisms, but you can also use a comma delimited file or an XML file. And since everybody knows how to use a comma delimited file, that's probably the easiest way to start off with your data-driven web testing. But you can drive, so you can drive data into your web test that way. Some other features that you have now is you can break your web test out into pieces. So for example, in my TechEd talk, I had a web test that did a login, a search, and then a view of the search results. So I actually took those three different pieces and broke them out into individual web tests. So you can have web tests that call other web tests now. So it allows you to easily break your, your logical, your web tests down into more logical type pieces. And you have all kinds of ways that you can validate that your web test is working correctly. You can extract information from the requests and use those at later parts in your web tests. You get a bunch of validation and extraction rules out of the box. You can also write your own. There's just all kinds of extensibility points as far as web testing. Now, that's um, in a team I used to work in uh, before I joined Team Prize. Um, one of the things we did there, obviously, doing testing and coming up with test data, uh, programmers tend to just test things the way they expect stuff to run. Whereas, you know, actually doing test data correctly is a is a is an art that that testers are very good at. And um, we we built an Excel spreadsheets that. Um, the guys in the test team, guys and girls in the test team could fill out with with data, you know, put this in, in a big column, I expect this out. And then um, and then we had a button on it that would export them as XML. And at the time, we fed that into our own unit testing framework-based mechanism. But you could easily feed those XML, you know, outputs from Excel into into the unit test, into the web testing stuff now and the unit test stuff. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, web testing is is really. I, I am after having worked a couple of months to to really get this presentation down. Web testing is just really freaking cool, in my opinion. One of the issues I have with the web testing, as it's currently implemented, is that to it's easy enough to record a test, but then to make the test data driven and to you know to do uh, to make it a proper automated test. You really need some kind of programming knowledge, and you know things like data well, binding. Do you not? Do you not agree? Well, you know, I, I, I C sharp quite a lot and mess it or VB. I, I, I think it depends I, on what no. you're driving. I, I I disagree with you there. It depends, and I agree with Paul. It depends on what you're driving, especially now that you could do comma delimited files. I mean, it's really easy. All you do is you you punch a button, you say, "Here's my comma delimited file," and then you can go to say the form login page, and you just say, "Okay." Bind, you know, drop. Here's my drop down. Select this column from my comma delimited file. Bam, there you go. Cool, that's it, much easier. It, and that works for simple things. Now, there could be, like Paul, I think, was referencing, there can be more complicated cases where sometimes you have to actually get your hands dirty and actually write some C sharp code, but that should always be your last resort because once you start writing C sharp code and creating what's called a coded web test. You can never go back to the GUI. You can never go back to the pretty interface. You're stuck with the C-sharp code at that point. Yeah, and most people I've talked to or worked with have found that the, the, the GUI-based setup uh, works well for all the things they need. Um, I've only had a couple clients that actually have gone to coded web tests. Um, and like Mickey said, you can't go back once you do that. But these folks had a program background, and it was easy for them to do it. Awesome. And it's well, funny you say that because one of the things I've noticed about uh, training people and working with people on the tester edition is they tend to be testers and testers don't tend to be coders. And so it's, it's, it's been an interesting jump to get testers to use the web testing if they have to do any coding because they don't want to code because they're not coders. Yeah, I find that it's one of the things I've, I always, um, used to struggle explaining, you know, when we give feedback to Microsoft, explaining that to them because they hire, you know, very, very, very technical people and their, their testers, you know, um, are, are capable coders as well. Uh, whereas in many organizations I've worked in, the testers are very skilled, but they tend to come from the business side and know more about the business and do not want to be coders, you know, explicitly have a slight interest in IT, but really often don't want to be coders at all. They're more interested in how the business works and, you know, business rules. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I've always struggled to explain to Microsoft is, is how business orientated testers in the enterprise typically are. We've talked about uh, web testing and unit testing. So what's What's load testing? Is it basically run the automated test lots and lots of times and see what happens? It, yes, uh, the load testing is um, basically uh, let's run load against not just tests, but let's run load against um, our XE. So I can load test web tests. I can load test unit tests. But I can also load test uh, my XE too to see um, you know how it's going to perform. And what's nice in the load test scenario is uh, I have, uh, as you're going through the setup, there's this wizard. And I, so I can load test things like, uh, um, I can, uh, have a constant user count. I can set up the type of network connections I might be up against. And I get a multiple to network connections. Um, I can, I can provision my test to say, okay, 50% of my people are on a LAN, 50% of my people on our DSL, you know, um, or I can even break it down even further. 33% are on dial up, you know, and so on and so forth. 
um, uh, like I said, I can have a constant user count or I can have a step user count. So for every five seconds the test runs, increase it by 100 users up to a maximum of 2,000 users, for example. And I can give it a, a time to run. By default, I believe it's two minutes, but um, you can increase it to whatever you need it to run. So you have a lot of flexibility with this load test, and then you run load against it. And, what, and when the load test runs, it presents you with this um, graph where you can actually track counters. So as you're setting up your load test, you can set up um, some, some counters in there too uh, to say, okay, I want to track um, some SQL counters or some .NET counters. And that's um, I get this question a lot, what counters are available? Um, the counters that are available are all your .NET and SQL counters that are available in your you know, your .NET world. So, um, you can, you can set all those up. So maybe you want to see like, uh, how much processor am I using? How much memory am I using? How much IO am I, am I doing? Uh, things like that. And so you can watch that throughout your, um, uh, throughout your load test and you actually return you metrics, uh, about every five seconds, I think is the default and you can have it sample, um, more than that or less than that, whatever you see fit. Five seconds tends to be really good. Then it returns you some results, and then it gives you uh, a result when you're done. It says, okay, how well did my load do? You know, how did my load test do? I can actually see, you know, uh, any errors that I might have had, any any um, uh, warnings that I might have ran into because I might have been hitting, you know, too much processor or using too much memory or things like that. So it's, it's not just load testing um, recorded tests, but it's load testing, you know, my application too. Great. Microsoft should uh, donate a copy of Team Suite to uh, Twitter to, to try and get them to get their site working a bit better. <laughs> I love the load testing piece. And um, just a quick plug on the load testing thing. Um, again, just like everything else, the API is opened up. So you can you can program against it. And Bill Barnett and Sam Lumley are two people that really blog a lot about um, the testing tools. Well, some time ago, Bill Barnett had wrote a post about how you could actually, he hadn't supplied the code, how you could actually um, increase or decrease the number of users on the fly as you're doing your load test. So you could actually say, okay, um, you know, I'm running along on my load test and all of a sudden, you know, I get this big influx of users. Maybe I had a TV commercial and all of a sudden, you know, I got a thousand people hitting my website, you know, uh, instantly I could dial up the load to a thousand users during the load test on the fly which was really cool. So I took that a step further and I actually created a knob that you could actually turn because here's this example. You have to type it into a text pad and uh, or a, a notepad file, text file, and then save it. So I put a, a knob around it where you could actually just spin the knob and it would dial it up to like 2,000 users um, instantly. So we've mentioned uh, the web tests, the unit tests, the load tests. What else does the system do for me? We, we talked earlier about uh, manual testing. I don't, I don't see that get much, much play. What do, you, what do you think, Paul? Well, manual testing is, um, it, it, does what, it, it, do, it works well. It, it, it works and it, and it allows you to create a manual test in a Word document or a template of your choice that you created. But the, the one thing I find about when I talk to people about manual testing is they really don't care for the manual testing too much. They kind of treat it like the architect tools. It's something that's there, but they really don't use. And the biggest complaint I get is the fact that they cannot gather metrics around their manual tests that are reportable. So while you can um, pass or fail a test, you cannot say a test was blocked, for example. You cannot uh, enter a lot of, uh, you can enter comments, but the comments aren't reportable, nor are they searchable. 
So it, you really don't get a lot of, of good metrics with the, with the manual testing. So what people tend to do is create manual test case work items because at least in the manual test work item, they can enter in all the steps that somebody has to go through, but they can also put a lot more uh, reportability metrics in that in that work item also. I'm not a big advocate for, for, for doing that, but it, it, when it comes to the manual testing, I can completely understand why you would do that. So that's kind of where my thoughts are on the whole manual testing piece. Okay. One of the things I noticed in um, that's test edition as it stands today, um, in the uh, CTP of Rosario that they, that they had out recently, um, I saw you'd done some blog posts on it, Mickey. They, they seem to have be spending a lot of time and a lot of effort on, on the testing features in the Rosario release. Yes, and, and while I don't, while we always want to encourage people, you know, use the tools that are currently out there because who knows when Rosario is going to come out. There is some cool stuff coming in Rosario as far as, as around testing. They're they're doing some some nice revamps around testing to make it a lot more effective and a lot more functional. I think that's important that uh, don't don't go waiting for Rosario because you know it, it was no sign of it appearing anytime soon. But if you if you're investing in Team System now today. Um, and you're investing in the different editions and, for instance, the test edition, I think you can be fairly confident that that investment's, you know, protected in the future because they seem to be pumping an awful lot of effort and, you know, and money into into improving the functionality of those products. I believe that Chuck Sterling is managing the content for MSDN for the developer centers. Whoever is, and I believe it's Chuck, is doing a fantastic job. And one of the things they've come up with is these, these developer centers. And so the Shrinkster link for the test developer center uh, is shrinkster.com slash ZI3. Uh, and that's just got a wealth of information on all the different testing tools, um, how to use them, videos, you know, information, all kinds of stuff. I strongly suggest somebody go out there and um, who's interested in the testing tools and get some information there. Okay, well, I think that's about time we wrap up, guys. It's been an interesting show for me personally. I hope everybody else has found it interesting. Have you got anything you want to finish with, Mickey? Nope, it's glad to be back. We're going to try to get ourselves back in the saddle here, start giving you maybe podcasts on a little more regular basis. But again, I say that every show, and it never happens, so don't keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> and those uh, addresses again, um, to subscribe to Radio TFS, go to radiotfs.com. Uh, and um, if you want to send us an email or with uh, any suggestions for future shows or any questions or comments, then that's radiotfs at gmail.com. Thanks very much for your time. See you again soon.